What's up, Myco family? Mycotrophic here. Welcome back to my podcast, where together we are going to grow in mind, body, spirit, and mushrooms. In this video, we have a very special guest, Mr. Dennis Walker from the Micropreneur podcast. Many of you guys know him from his hilarious satire videos on Instagram. Um, recently been deplatformed, which we're working on. Um, we have no agenda today. We're just going to kind of jam and fire away and I guess essentially get to know each other. We have a couple um, connections as far as like aiming for quality content. We have a friend in common, Mr. Nate Sigurd, who uh, has helped us with our websites. But other than that, dude, I don't really know much about you other than like I see you traveling all over the fucking place <laughs> and uh, and doing all kinds of cool shit. So I'd like to talk about that today. But um, anyways, dude, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Hello, everybody. It's an honor to be here. I'm Dennis and let's rock and roll. What's up, man? Not much, man. Just got the daily tasks out of the way and then um, was, you know, yeah, just really looking forward to today and getting our podcast out of the way and then got some lab work later tonight. But man, um, what have you been up to? I know, I mean, first and foremost, as soon as I heard that you um, actually Nate is the one who uh, let me know that you had gotten deplatformed from Instagram. So I immediately was like, boom, I sent you um, my guy. I think his uh, handle is pre Calix. I don't know the exact Instagram handle, but hopefully he can get your page back. Dude, I know he's probably working on like a hundred people now because he's like really good. He's he was successful, but I think we can get your page back. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I'm in touch with him. I'm working with him because he is the person that was recommended by at least a half dozen different connections that I have who all said, this is the guy. So whatever he's doing, I'm happy to trust the process. And as with anybody who's putting out spicy, mushroom, psychedelic oriented content, I kind of always knew this was a distinct possibility and a likelihood that this might happen. So many people that I respect from cannabis and from psychedelics have been deplatformed and including what I would call a lot of very legitimate accounts or people who actually have platforms like double blind, for example, you know, they've got an actual print magazine. They've been working for a number of years with very high profile brands and they got deep platforms. So I kind of realized that no one is really safe from it and it's kind of arbitrary. So I don't want to spend too much time like crying over the spilled milk, but at the same time, like it definitely sucks, you know, cause you build this network, you get your groove, you got your algorithm dialed in. I met so many cool people just through Instagram, people all over the world. And now I'm realizing, oh shit, I can't get in touch with this person or that person. So it's it's definitely a bit of a setback, but you know, the world is a beautiful place. Mushrooms are still there. We can grow them. So it's back to work, back to the grindstone now. That's right. That's a great perspective, man. Very positive. And uh, what's really cool though, what I recognize is that you have such like a recognizable brand or like a, such a, like you're very like um, pertinent in our community. So like, you know, you could have like three or four different backup pages and they're all going to just continue to have popularity. So, but that's, you know, Instagram aside, fuck Instagram. Although, you know, I was off for like 190 days, 89 days, I believe. Um, I, I agree with you. Like the connections of the people that you're like, fuck, I don't have their phone number or their email. They were just on IG, but I mean, you're going to so many events and uh, doing so many things like you, you've probably met a myriad of people who are just like, I can't even, I can't imagine some of the most amazing people or like renowned people in like the psychedelic space. Like what are, what are some of your like most memorable um, experiences like this last couple of years of like people you've met or places you've been? There's been a bunch. Thanks for asking. And I'm just as surprised as anybody else. You know, I started the podcast almost three years ago in January of 2024. It will have been three years. And 
really the first year was kind of a slog and it was always a passion project. It was very much a pandemic project. Like, Hey, I've got more time on my hands. I'm willing to start speaking more publicly about mushrooms for so many of us for so long, we kind of had to keep it under wraps underground for a number of reasons. But for whatever reason, during the pandemic, you know, 2020, 2021, the idea of starting the podcast and speaking publicly became a lot more palatable. And the first year was rather uneventful. Like I met a bunch of people. I was doing a lot of trying to get one episode out a week, building connections, learning more about cultivating. You know, I'm pretty new to cultivating. I'm an old hat as a psychonaut. You know, I just always have had people who grow mushrooms. I'd get my mushrooms from them. And then at a certain point, I was like, yeah, I should start trying to grow these things too. You know, nothing in a big commercial capacity, but just like my own little, you know, monotubs that I was doing. So it really took off after the first year with the video, which is why I've doubled down on doing the video. It was like January of 2022, somewhere around there. And I made some satirical video promos just completely off the cuff. Just, I think I had seen something on TikTok or Instagram. And I thought, well, I could do that. And then I did it. And literally within a week, one of them had gone viral and the podcast started to get more listeners. And it was like putting two and two together where I go, wow, if I can get free promo, get more people to listen to my mushroom podcast and pay attention, I'm going to do more video content. So by, by doing that over a couple of months, I started getting invited places. And then somebody goes, hey, you want to press pass or do you want to publish with our platform? Because I had started sharing writing too. And I think that journalism is really the cornerstone of sort of what I want to contribute more so than being like, a cultivator or an entrepreneur. It's like more of a journalistic lens that I try to kind of cover everything that's happening. So after I started getting invited to publish, I started sharing things, I started getting press passes. And that's really when I tapped into like this quote industry conference circuit, which I had no idea existed. And uh, that's taken me all over the world the last couple of years. So most recently in Miami, just two weeks ago, which, you know, is the third time in Miami this year. I've got to go out to England and to Hungary, to India, a few really, really cool opportunities. And I guess the overarching theme I've noticed is that psychedelics and mushrooms, they're popular everywhere. They're not just in our little bubble. Like, and that's part of my mission is to try to connect all of these different subcultures because I, I find out you know, a lot of things are happening in the US or in California, Colorado, Oregon. Well, there's a lot of stuff happening in the Netherlands and in Portugal and in England and in Dubai even, but a lot of these communities don't really talk to each other. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do right now is build more bridges and, and kind of, uh, you know, learn, learn from people on the ground. Wow. That's, you know, that's such a good perspective. Um, especially with your travels and your, and getting invited to these places, because I have such like a micro perspective of it. It's really just like the Instagram community that I'm kind of expanded from. And right now it's like the Patreon discord server catering to my community but i didn't even like really think of like what's happening outside of the united states i know it's happening but to what degree i'm not sure where where would you say it's most like prevalent or most like active as far as other countries or are there like bigger movements is there any anybody else closer to like quote legalization than we are or anything like that well, outside of Jamaica, where there is a legal industry because it was never criminalized in the first place. And that's where a lot of the retreat centers have set up. And there's brands too, like Pato, P-A-T-O-O -O, is a mushroom chocolate brand that's sold openly in different corner stores and resorts in Jamaica legally. The same thing's happening here. And it's something I hope to talk about. Like there's a lot of legacy brands that are just like very bold and out there. And I think that's interesting and something that I largely support, but also there's a, you know, a lot of, a lot of unanswered questions there around like people who are 
selling really, really overtly uh, mushrooms like as brands. And so we can tap into that eventually. But yeah, I think the US is definitely where everybody's looking to. That's everything I hear is about mainly around policy, like the idea of decriminalization, like what's happened in Colorado, even kind of the, the fumble in a way that's happened in Oregon. You know, everyone was so excited about like legal, legal psilocybin access. And it's just kind of not really been much to, to remark upon. Um, of course, Oregon is a very developed ecosystem for mushrooms. Just the legal route that people were excited about doesn't really exist, I guess, unless you want to pay 3,500 bucks for an eighth of mushrooms, you know, in a center. Um, but everybody definitely is looking to the U.S. as sort of like the tip of the spear at the vanguard. That being said, I think the Netherlands is probably the, the place where the most is happening because they have more, they have relaxed restrictions. So like, for example, for research, if people want to do research into mushrooms or DMT or ibogaine or whatever, they don't have the same kind of regulatory hurdles that people in the United States have. So like one clear cut example of this is I was over at Maastricht University. They have a psychopharmacology department where they're testing, you know, like psilocybin and couples therapy. So like if you and your partner want to go through a period of, uh, sessions of therapy in conjunction with psilocybin mushrooms that's happening but also one of the studies i heard about was people are literally being given laughing gas while they're driving on actual roads to the point where they want to figure out where the driver passes out and the only control is that the person running the experiment has brakes on their side of the car so like that would never happen in the u.s i don't even know why they're doing that particular experiment but it's just an example of they don't have the same kind of like intense review regulation policy that gets in the way of a lot of what's happening in the United States. Right. And I guess the underground market is the answer to that in a lot of ways. Like really what happened with 2018, 2019, all of this info about mushrooms started getting blasted out, you know, primetime coverage, Oprah, ESPN, all of this stuff. But where can people get mushrooms? Like it was not and is not really legal technically, but like so many people need access to these types of experiences, the, the underground market stepped up to fill that void. And I think that's where we're at right now is like people know that if approached with caution, like it can be safe and it can, you know, lots of us are sharing our experiences, but uh, that presents problems for the FDA approval legal route because that takes like literally like, you know, six, eight plus years to get that dialed in. And in the meantime, where are people going to get this, you know, amazing experience that we've all heard about? Right. Yeah, the legal, uh, legal, illegal market. Kind of, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't take the same route as cannabis. Um, and I was going to ask you, do you think there's going to be like an extreme bastardization of mushrooms, or has that already really happened? Kind of like it has with cannabis, like the race to the bottom dollar. You know, adding mushroom powder in every fucking, you know, brownie cake cookie mix, whatever, you know, psilocybin water, like what, like, what do you, what do you, what do you think, uh, as far as like, as the market develops, it's going to look like, because it's not so much of a quote, like daily consumable, like cannabis. What do you, what yeah. Do you think? I think that's kind of already happening and I have mixed feelings about it. Cause on one side, I strongly believe in this idea of cognitive liberty that you should be able to do what you want with your body. If you're not impacting other people. So like, if you want to take, you know, 30 grams of mushrooms in a day in your house and, you know, take cookies and candies and this and that, like, it's not really my place to tell you that you can't do that. So that's the one side of it. The other side, I think mushrooms have a pretty good way of letting you know if you're not uh, interacting with them correctly, you know, like uh, either 
You're not going to get the same sort of results you're looking for, or in some cases it could compound into actual mental issues. You know, anything you abuse, like it will let you know, it should let you know. And I think uh, a lot of us who kind of gravitated towards psychedelics and mushrooms before the big hype bubble, some of us found that out. You know, I kind of found out either through friends or myself or whatever that like, oh, I should probably scale back a little bit right now, right? Like, uh, so that, that's one angle. I think that the mushrooms will let you know, hopefully. And then that's where microdosing comes in, I think, which again, I'm also like kind of critical of it, but I it supports people. Like if, if people find value in it, I hope that they do it. My, my concern around microdosing is that culturally, it will like incentivize people to treat mushrooms just like a multivitamin when I think they can be so much more. Like you could have a really transformative, profound experience and start actually questioning the direction of your life and so on and so forth. Or microdosing sometimes gets packaged as this like, be slightly better at your job, you know, be slightly more alert and awake. And, and uh, while that may be awesome for some people, as a broader transformation and evolution of the world that we live in, it very well could just like perpetuate the status quo and just make people a little bit better at coding or a little bit better of a boxer. Yeah, it's, I mean, and it, my thing is like, everyone's biology is so different and they're like, for instance, like I just sent in a sample to Doma Nunzio from Magic Banco for the latest cultivar cup. I think we really need to pump a lot of attention into testing because like, the underground market is amazing and I do think it's like fueling everyone's curiosity and at least bringing some awareness to like, okay, this, this isn't like super dangerous. Um, but like with regulation, I do believe there needs to be some level of testing to create some kind of like baseline for like, you know, like there's like, now there's like the five, 10 milligram doses of cannabis, you know, brownies, cookies, candies, but really there's so many like varying varieties of, of just like the psilocybe cubensis mushrooms that someone like, like me in my, in my uneducated years, I just decided to like try to grow the albino penis envy and ended up eating five grams thinking it was going to be like my, my once a month or semi monthly, like heroic dose, you know, shout outs, Terrence McKenna in darkness. And it was damn near the same as an ayahuasca experience. So like, I, yeah, there's, yeah. And with microdosing, like I love microdosing, but, and recently I've had this, like almost, I don't know how to, how to say it, but like, mushrooms aren't the cure but they are a really good tool like there are so many other tools also too and i think that's kind of what i hope mushrooms is too like not like a trojan horse into the psychedelic realm but there is so, like there's just so many other avenues of um entheogens and things that are helping people so like when you go to these events is it like well if you had to put a percentage to like what mushrooms was to those events versus like what else is uh maybe being exposed there what what is that number and what else is like being marketed there is like is there like microdosing like lysergic acid dithalamide you know candies like what like what do you what are you seeing over there a lot a lot of what i call legacy market products and as an example just in miami there was a lab from europe and i don't want to disclose too much information obviously but like there there are biotech companies and like legit labs that have public facing companies that are doing these side hustles of products. And it's quite interesting. And for example, I was given a DMT vape pen that is really, really quality. I can tell you after having bioassayed or tried it on myself, the same lab had MDMA gummies that are all precisely dosed of you know lab quality MDMA or what you would call GMP grade, like good manufacturing practices, like pharmaceutical grade. And they also had mushroom chocolates. And this is like one lab over there and there's a bunch of them. 
And you just meet these people who are brilliant, their heart's in the right place a lot of times, they're chemists, they have connections and so and capital and so on. And I start to think like, how is the legal market gonna make any sense? It's because there's so many of these underground products that people can get. I do hope just for the stigma to be reduced and for legal protections to be afforded to people who are producing so on and so forth. Like I'm a pretty staunch advocate overall of legalization, but I've just seen so many of these professional underground products that are precisely dosed. They have QR codes on them that link to lab results and, you know, to stories from different people who have taken them. So that's interesting. I think what a lot of the people who are at these conferences are doing essentially is trying to establish their presence, their brand, even if they need to pivot, right? So like, for example, there are a bunch of ketamine clinics because ketamine is FDA approved. And if you have the money, you can legally go open a ketamine clinic. No big deal. There's plenty of them. They're not doing very well overall, uh, like across the board for a number of reasons. But several of those CEOs or owners of the ketamine clinics that I've either interviewed or talked to are ready to pivot as soon as the next substance becomes legalized. So like if MDMA gets FDA approval, which a lot of people are kind of like pinning their hopes for the quote psychedelic renaissance or the legal route, they're being pinned on this uh, legalization of MDMA essentially. And, and people thinking that would open the floodgates once more people start getting MDMA treatment, it's legally approved. So all of these, not all of them, but like a number of these clinics they're, they're open as a ketamine clinic, but as soon as psilocybin becomes approved, as soon as uh, MDMA becomes approved, et cetera, they're going to start offering those therapies. So I really think like a lot of what people are after right now is just trying to get a foot in the door and have name recognition where people are familiar with the brand, you're connected, you're sort of part of the, the ecosystem and the infrastructure. So those are some of my top of mind remarks from what I've seen most lately. Interesting. So kind of just showing face, making connections and pivoting essentially. I mean, I feel the pivot vibes. I myself have gone from being like a strict advocate of psilocybin mushrooms cultivation for like the, the average Joe at home, you know, grow your own medicine from spore to healing kind of a thing. And now I'm kind of pivoting into like all mushrooms and functional mushrooms, like the cordyceps militaris, lion's mane, the same shit everybody else pumps out, but I still think there's a huge market for it, but also to you to have like kind of like a, you know, a little tinge of, you know, some, some mushrooms here and there. So that's awesome. How do you incorporate um, mushrooms into your diet on a, on a daily, weekly or monthly? Um, do, you, do you, are you a microdoser, an avid microdoser? Love it. Yeah, I have done that before. I've got a bunch of different products that friends have sent me or that I've accrued. Right. So uh, microdosing, I wouldn't say I have a regular routine, but I have done it before. And like I was boxing, going to boxing classes and microdosing. And it was awesome. And I think a big part of that, too, is that when you're microdosing or you have your routine, you try to be very intentional. So like I tried to cut out alcohol drinking. I tried to get better, you know, be intentional about other things. So it's sort of just like a cumulative effort that can be good. Now, I'm very much someone who likes to occasionally macrodose and I definitely do it less than I used to. And part of that is just because like, I'm in a really sweet spot in a lot of ways in my life. Like I'm married, you know, I've been married for eight years and have a home and have my dog. And I really like what I'm doing with Micropreneur and the various media projects. So like, I've realized like macro dosing takes a lot of energy a lot of the time, you know, it's like, I have to like clear the schedule. If you want to do it correctly, the way that I'd like to do it, where like I have time to breathe on either side, as opposed to like, oh shit, I've got a party and then I got, and then I can take five grams now. And then tomorrow morning at 9am, I got to do something. It doesn't work as well as it used to. So that's one. I'm big on functional mushrooms, dude. I, mushroom coffee, like 
love coffee. Uh, that's one of the brands or one of the like mushroom supplements that has been growing very quickly is there's at least a dozen different mushroom coffee brands. I've got a few of them I work with. Microboost is a great one. They're friends of mine. They do mushroom coffee. Everyday Dose does mushroom coffee. So I try to kind of like alternate in mushroom coffees with my regular coffee intake. And there's a bunch of different brands. You know, I'm just kind of like name dropping a few because people ask me this a lot. Which one should I get? It's like, well, do your own research, obviously, but like there's right. you know, some brands, as you say, just kind of throw in a little bit of mushrooms into the mix. You might call it fairy dusting uh, and, and other brands like really take it seriously and get really top quality extracts and fruiting body and this, that and the other COAs and third party test results. Uh, and I really like uh, whenever I have the bandwidth to do it, like Chaga. I, I'm a big fan of Chaga tincture. I've got some from Finland uh, grown by Kappa, K-A-A-P-A. They have the world's largest network of birch trees that they're growing kappa or sorry, growing chaga mushrooms on. Uh, I love I love chaga. Uh, literally, if you can't feel something working, you probably need to take a stronger extract and really love chaga. Like when I take chaga, you notice it. Agaricon is another one that I've recently started taking. I've got a friend Hamilton who runs Hamilton's mushrooms in Colorado. He get he goes over to China and like hand picks them and sources them from farms. So that's a whole interesting kind of trade he's got. And I got to say his products are amazing. Like, and he doesn't pay me or anything. He's just sent me a few. And I like to try different ones. I've got a bunch of them that I never really promote because it's like, ah, oh, it didn't do much for me. But certain ones you're like, oh, I really noticed this working. So yeah, I like uh, Hamilton's Agaricon. They've got Cordyceps, Lion's Mane, all of that. So yeah, that's kind of my intake. And I, I should probably be more structured but it's more just like whatever I have on hand at the moment, I'm taking mushroom tinctures, supplements, whatever. And then the last one I'll mention I've been really enjoying is Amanita muscaria extract, which this one's a new one for me. This actually was in a goodie bag I got at Wonderland in Miami. And I've never really tried Amanita. Like I've picked them before. I'm curious about them. I, I had a gummy one time, but these ones... Are, are stated that you should take um, like two dropper fulls 30 minutes before bed. And I got to say, I've done it four nights over the last week and it's been awesome. I've slept really deeply. I've had some pretty awesome dreams and uh, I can't hundred percent say it's only because I took this product, but uh, you know, it's advertised as a sleep aid and it's working really well. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. You do probably get to try a little bit of everything. You've probably seen more products than everybody in the community combined. I, I would assume. So you're using, you know, maybe not like structured. And I would say I'm the same way. Like I, I don't like, I'm not like, okay, it's 8 a.m. Time for lion's mane tincture. I definitely am taking like, you know, like today I took some lion's mane capsules. Um, I do take a couple other products, cordyceps from friends, whatever. But I, I agree with when you say like, if you can't feel it, you probably need something stronger because you can, you can get something out of like a lion's mane. If your brain isn't tingling and you feel like there's not a bunch of lube in there and you can think and work, you know, mentally faster, like three X at least, like you got to try a new product. I definitely agree. I think there's so much room for functional mushrooms that, um, I don't know. Like I've, I've taken a huge step back. I've digressed from the psilocybin psychedelic. I like it has its own place and its own throne, I believe, but there's, this huge like round table now of all these different mushrooms. Um, I'm really curious about the uh, Amanita muscaria mushrooms. I recently found out that those are like legal for a different reason. Um, did you actually make, did you make a video on that by the way? Yeah, I just have been tapping into it. So I just made one cause it's fascinating. It's like, those are magic mushrooms straight up. Like they have a huge 
human history of use and like why are some magic mushrooms legal and other magic mushrooms are not is essentially the threat right can we take a second to talk about your content man I, totally like, like there's not a lot of things people places or whatever events in my life that make me like lol like actually laugh out loud like like i think it was just a few minutes before i i jumped on the phone with you I, you just put out a new video i don't know what ai you're using or whatever but like with the scientists you know using like keywords buzzwords like can you talk about that video real quick totally yeah so i use adobe character animator for all of the cartoons i have the adobe creative suite it's kind of like a lesser known program there so the characters i'm using are stock characters which means that i'm not designing them nate Sigurd, our mutual friend, has designed a character for me that I've used before, but uh, there's a bunch of stock characters to choose from, and it uses kind of like facial mapping or uh, motion capture, where, so it's your, your mouth when you're speaking, like we are right now, are synced to the character, but it's definitely like a cut above just like a, a turnkey uh, program, you know, in a sense, like you do have to learn how to use the program a little bit. So all the cartoon stuff I've done, which is very much inspired by South Park, you know, pretty obviously, and kind of like more extreme programming. I'm very much on that end of like, I like intense, extreme programming, uh, like South Park or like Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, Borat type stuff. So I try to emulate some of that with what I do. But yeah, I mean, to be so blunt, like sort of my position right now and being at these more corporate psychedelic events is unabashedly as a mushroom advocate and enthusiast. I do not think you can improve upon the psilocybin mushroom experience personally. Like, sure, there may be some people who want like a shorter experience, you know, and like, and again, I, I kind of leave that to like, it's your choice what you want to do with it. But like, for my money, you can improve upon psilocybin mushrooms. Like the experience, if done respectfully, can be absolutely amazing life-changing visuals etc uh very personal insights that's what i want so you know all of this like newfangled technology coming out which i've tried some of them i haven't really come across like a novel molecule or a drug that's more interesting than just straight up mushrooms for me for a lot of different reasons although i do like to try other things occasionally but yeah so the content kind of got me on the map surprisingly uh, by being satirical, as you've seen, like I, I try to really just kind of take what's happening right now and then put sort of like a, a very uh, Hunter S. Thompson onion style twist on it, where you're looking at it from this absurdist lens. Because one of the strangest things that's happened, I think, with psychedelic mainstreaming becoming more popular is like people trying to market and clinicalize and soften and make psychedelics like very palatable. But I also think that there's room for like the really far out eccentric wild bits of it. Cause you know, all of us who are listening to the podcast, when you ask like, tell us about a mushroom experience, it's probably not going to be, Oh, it was just so gentle and sweet. And, and it's going to be like, no, it was a roller coaster. Like crazy shit happened. And then all of a sudden I have childhood trauma coming up or, you know, all of a sudden my friends and I are in the trees together. Like it, it, yeah. So I try to be the, be a little bit weird and wacky and absurdist with the content I'm making. Yeah. That's being real. Like in a world, I was thinking on the way home, like in a world full of like fake, everything lies, fake businesses, people like be real, be the truth. And that is such a truth of the psilocybin also just psychedelic experience. Like, like all these, I know all these grandmas and grandpas who are like, you know, like, wow, I didn't know there was such a, you know, I'm in my eighties and didn't know there was such a beautiful, you know, it's like, no dude, most of the time you're going to be like feeling like you're on a roll. Yeah. Roller coaster. I think the word to use, like 
it's up it's down emotional like it's never like i don't, I don't think i've ever had a mushroom experience that was like oh that was so beautiful you know like and you, i think the the what, is, what was i laughing out loud about in the last video you made was like michael pollan again like oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah like that that avenue of like okay if that's if that's your form of information that you found that engaged you with the information and awareness of these substances like it's beautiful but like give it to the world as it is like don't that's like that's like telling someone like oh man the barbie movie was like it was amazing bro like you gotta go and then like you show up you're like what the fuck is this you know just, just be just be honest about things you know so yeah i see that do you, do you see that that kind of like marketing is it kind of like just like a marketing scheme to, to build comfortability around maybe like what you would call like there's got to be a phobia for psychedelics right like do you think there's like a uh a movement to try to like iron out the the past you know feelings and thought processes of, of psychedelics dude 100 because the the truth of the matter is that anybody who wants to capitalize on mushrooms like at a corporate level and make like pretty real money unless they're doing underground market stuff which plenty of people are doing like they're gonna have to make it palatable to an audience essentially who doesn't know what mushrooms is i think that's a lot of it is like and trying to iron it out trying to make it very marketable and that's not working so well so far, you know, like a bunch of these companies have just lost a ton of money. And it's something that I've seen and I've been around these rooms and kind of like said my piece about it. But, uh, you know, pe people want to run businesses based on mushrooms and they want to corporatize it. And, you know, I'm not anti-corporate, I don't think, you know, it's just more of I, I don't like it when people are being disingenuous. And I think there's a lot of like disingenuosity or like people trying to wheel and deal and all that. And I think like mushrooms should be the last thing you try to wheel and deal with, you know, you shouldn't be trying to cut corners and like, like mushrooms can really help people. I also think they could potentially harm people if not used wisely. And I'm like, I've seen that happen, you know, but that being said, I think they're quite gentle and fair, gentle, depending on the dosage, but they're quite fair. You know, I feel like the best part about mushrooms is like you can have a personal relationship with them. So the idea that like somebody needs to mediate that relationship, I'm kind of like unclear, you know, I don't really think that's the case. And then also all the money for anybody trying to make mushrooms off of like money off of corporatizing mushrooms is in the clinical infrastructure. It's in the therapists, it's in the real estate, it's in, you know, the, the bell and whistle and package everything except for the mushrooms, like the mushrooms themselves in some places right now are like $175 a pound, you know, for psilocybin mushrooms, I've heard. They're like really, really, they're kind of all over the place. You can grow them. I think that's what's delayed the whole FDA process is that there was this idea that like, oh, we can kind of commercialize mushrooms. And then it's actually much more difficult to do that. And people were like, no, I don't want to pay 3,500 bucks for 3.5 grams. Like, I'll just go get them from my neighbor. I'll grow them myself. So that's kind of where we're at, I think, because... FDA, Food and Drug Administration, you know, United States federal agency designated psilocybin as a, quote, breakthrough therapy in 2019. And the whole point of designating it a breakthrough therapy was that they're going to fast track, fast track the availability of mushrooms as a, a therapeutic option. It's 2023, almost 2024, and it's still basically not available with very, very limited exceptions. So if that's their idea of a fast track, unfortunately, you can grow pounds of mushrooms in, you know, like a very small area in a short amount of time. And many people understand this. So uh, it's what nobody will tell you when you're, you know, part of those companies. But they're they're trying to patent 
various analogs. You know, most of the mushroom or psilocybin being used in clinical trials and whatnot, it's not mushrooms, it's synthetic psilocybin. It's derived from a yeast or whatnot. And uh, part of that is because A, you can control it better. You know, like government agencies, what like strictly controlled everything, like straight up to the point where someone involved in these clinical trials told me that somebody wanted them to weigh the spores. They wanted to know, like a government official was at a lab trying to figure out like how much the spores weighed and how many spores they had on the premise, you know, which is like, you can't really answer that, but it just shows the disconnect there. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of like a comical time overall right now. Uh, but the, the plus side is we have more citizen mycologists than ever before. We have more people kind of looking out for their neighbors. And I would hope that that continues, that you just have people like yourself or me or friends who have some experience with it in our lives, hopefully over a number of years. And then when people are starting to get interested, we can kind of help them a little bit, you know, and be like, oh, you know, this is how I would do it, do it how you want. But here's maybe some best practices that have been learned and earned from, you know, years of banging your head against the wall and, and figuring out how to make mushrooms work in your life. Gotcha. Do you think that the fast track is kind of a way, or do you think it's because of the, the extreme levels of advocacy we've had over the last you know handful of years? Or do you think it's kind of a fast track towards trying to capitalize on the cap potential capital? I think it's a both end. Like there are definitely a lot of good people, obviously, who like really want to help. And that, that's what it is. But I also think like when you, you mentioned about cannabis, like there's a lot of people who would just kind of pivot in because, yeah, there's a huge demand. There's huge interest and there's a huge need for something to alleviate the mental health crisis. And, you know, there's all kinds of different answers and, and people who think it should be done this way. It should be done that way. One thing we can all agree on is that like the mental health or the uh, collective well-being in the United States is probably not where it should be. You know, there's a lot of people um, battling a lot of really difficult issues for a lot of different reasons. And obviously, like the conventional system in place doesn't really work that well. You know, the the uh, there's not really like a place for people to go right now, like mental institutions and whatnot, or, you know, softer forms of that. Maybe you don't need to be institutionalized, but like you're battling depression, like uh, mushrooms are a great answer to that, depending on how they're used. You know, at least it will get the ball rolling and hopefully take people outside of their um, particular circumstance and give them a more macro view of what's going on. That's what it's done for me and uh, people that I associate with. You know, I would hope that <clears throat> that's the case. But yeah, I do think that there's the incentive. You know, we have a profit driven health system. Like, just look at healthcare, you know, like uh, if you don't know how much you're paying for something, like you could spend $200 just for bed sheets when you're in the ER, right? Or like bottles of water get billed at $12. It's kind of the same as the military industrial complex, right? Where it's like, yeah. you could spend $130 on a hammer and it just gets written off. That That's how much things cost. And I think that's part of the incentive to try to like bake psychedelics or these new therapies into the existing healthcare industry as it is, because yeah, like, for example, if you're a therapist and you want to start doing group mushroom experiences and you get the insurance to pay for it, talking to therapists, they're like, oh, I can get $90 per person per hour or whatever it is, you know, and uh, any way you slice it, they might, the therapist who's sitting there while people are tripping might make, you know, I don't know, $2,000 in the day just based off of that. So uh, again, these are loose figures. It's just sort of an analogy. I think that's where the profit motive comes in, where it's like, 
hey, we can help people, but we can also help them within the context of this profit-driven medical industry that we have. And I can't afford that. Like, I don't have health insurance. You know, a lot of people don't. That's why we, we use mushrooms in a lot of ways. You know, it's like, oh, this I can grow this. I can use plant medicine. Yeah. And I see, I see there's so many hurdles. I don't know why. We do live in such a weird world, and it is what it is at the moment. But I do see hurdles. Like, for instance, um, obviously, ketamine, um, like psychosis ketamine treatment is an option. I've actually went through it myself. I had two treatments, but I did them in Maui, Hawaii about uh, two years ago, and I paid 120 bucks a session. And some of the most life-changing um, trauma stripping, whatever you want to call it, like experience I've ever, like not, not quite psychedelic, but very psychedelic. It's worth a, tr it's worth a try for sure. Um, but now what, uh, when I, when I come back to the United States, what, <laughs> let me make this clear. The Hawaii, I, Hawaiian islands are in the United States. When I came back to um, my home uh, in Arizona, I looked for the similar, for a similar therapy and found that it was $800, but that was on top of a $200 like consultation. It's uh, it's unbelievable, man. So I think that like um, we have this like fine mixture of, yeah, the profit driven stuff. We have the underground market. I hope that somehow the, um, the mushrooms can inoculate and kind of infiltrate. I, I think it's through awareness. I think, I think, I think it'll slowly grow and kind of infiltrate the the system, so to speak, or people's minds. And maybe there will be some movement. I'm not quite sure. Um, military industrial complex, uh, definitely. So for, for myself as a veteran, I actually went to the VA to ask them if I could do ketamine treatment and get it, you know, get it covered. And they're like, yeah, but first you have to take these, these drugs. And they just, I don't even know what they were. And I told them like, no, I would just rather not. I don't know what these are. And they're like, well, you have to fail to, I'm like, you have to fail drugs. You have to basically say, you have to take them and say, this didn't work for me before you can, you know, maybe, maybe get, you know, um, scheduled or something like that for, for ketamine. So I, it's such a weird time, man. And I think just like people like yourself or myself, just speaking about it and letting others know there's options. Like there's always an option and talk therapy is not always the best option. You know, I've done multiple types of therapy. I've done cognitive behavioral therapy, hypnotherapy. I'm actually going through, um, EMDR therapy right now, which I think is pretty effective, but not everybody can afford that either. I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I'm a veteran and um, disabled veteran. I get benefits and I'm able to, uh, you know, go through that after six, seven, eight months of, you know, waiting for an appointment. But well, what do you, what do you think? Um, and you're very right, actually, with like the state of the union, as far as like the mental capacity or mental um, or mental health situation with the United States or the world, like, um, yeah, I mean, what do you think the what do you think some of the best options are other than like mushrooms or have you seen any like really cool treatments or uh, other technologies coming out of these conferences or things like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, mushrooms again, just first and foremost, but I really think it's community. It's going to be the biggest one. Uh like sure. just being connected to a community because our culture right now values or has valued isolation and I think like the pandemic is a perfect example of that. Like sure. people kind of locked up, no no social events formally happening. Surely people were hanging out, but it, it was like a time that none of us have really experienced or, or majority of the people I know had never experienced anything like that. And that sort of isolation where like people don't know their neighbors now, right? It's, it's uh, I think getting away from that, like getting back to community. One cool thing I've seen is psychedelic societies. They're all over the place, you know, literally every city there's online events, but, you know, pretty much every major city has a psychedelic society 
or a mycological society. I love going to my mycological society events when I'm in San Diego and having that sense of community right there can be such a huge salve for people battling mental illness. And like, you know, I think a lot of people get into working with mushrooms because of some kind of mental illness. Like they're trying to, you know, figure out some way they can feel better. And that's sort of what's, what's happened, you know? And I was fortunate when I got into mushrooms, I was very mentally well. And I think there's a place for mushrooms to better the health of mentally well people, you know? Like you shouldn't have to be trying to cure PTSD or anxiety or depression to have mushrooms. Like you should get to have them if you wanna have them. Like if you wanna have a, you know, a good experience. But, you know, in my adult years, I found tremendous therapy, as many people have, in self-guided mushrooms, or what I would say is like maybe mushroom-guided mushrooms, where you're like, all right, show me. And like one concrete example of that is a year ago, I was going through like kind of a weird time, as I sort of am right now with the podcast, where like things have changed and like my usual sort of patterns were being, uh, re having to be reevaluated. And, and I wasn't really enjoying doing it, you know? And I was like, what's the point of doing this if I'm not really enjoying it? Took a macro dose, had a, you know, a number of grams, quite a large dose. And I had such clear answers because I went in with very clear questions about like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm kind of at my wits end. And like, it was this beautiful simplicity that just kind of came into my mind of like, hey, why are you making this such a big deal? Here's your answer right here. And the simple answer was, you need to connect with more people. You need to uplift your community. You need to stop being so worried about yourself. You know, I think that the uh, culture we live in wants us to be me, me, me oriented. Like in social media, amplifies and exacerbates that it's like it's very narcissistic and like i deal with this a lot too where it's like i need to constantly prove myself i need to be doing more you know i need to show people that i'm the best and this and that well that can really really weigh on you when we have this culture of individualism and like and, and then the answer i got was like hey you're putting way too much credit on yourself and on your shoulders like chill out just start like connecting with people support their mission and it was such a beautiful like reframing of my mental condition I was in at the moment. So then I'm like, all right, who are some projects I can support? Like people I can invest time in, you know, and help them and make myself available. That little switch from like focusing so much on me to thinking more about the community was huge for me. And I, I think that that's the kind of stuff I'd hope to see moving forward is like, can we build an industry? Can we have a space that's truly collaborative and less focused on competition? Because when it's competition, it's like, the way that we're supposed to see each other is like, I'm supposed to see you as competition and I'm supposed to build faster and better. And that might be kind of an antiquated notion. Like, you know, I think there might be more value in like us looking at each other for how can I support this person? You know, how can I show value and make myself available to them? And that's what I love about the Myco community as a lot of people seem to understand that. Great answer, bro. Man, community is so important. And you're definitely one of like, what I would consider a pillar in the mycology community uh your voice speaks so loudly and so clearly and it's quite a relief to like scroll i try not to scroll obviously as much as you know everybody else is probably not trying to it's much of a distraction but when i'm on there it's uh and i do have my actual lols during the day um it definitely like puts a smile on my face and then i'll share these videos into the discord server everyone's like i love this guy you know you see all the comments and like i know i like sent your good energy to the group man it's it's it takes a lot of pressure off me and you're so right like i'm always like how can i be better how can i you know i gotta get another episode out and i'm always like constantly like egging myself but really it's like it's not that big fucking deal it's really not and i haven't done actually um 
admittedly, I haven't done uh, a macro dose in quite some time. It's probably been over a year. I haven't even microdosed in the last six months, to be honest. But you do this after some time, you get the revelations, you get the answers, and um, and you get the clarity, and you and you move on these things, you know. And sometimes I don't know, like for for quite some time, I was I swear I was doing like five grams a month for. I don't know, a year plus. It was just like, I thought they were the answer, but then you grow and you, you realize, hmm, maybe I can kind of peel back a little bit on it as I get older too. You know, I'm starting to get gray hairs. I'm like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, I totally I'm, agree. I'm like, maybe I should just take a step back and look at my life differently, you know? Totally agree. And uh, I hope that more people can recognize that because yeah, like it's, uh, if you have a great mushroom experience, like, do you need to repeat that immediately? Or can you just like, you know, take those, whatever you learned, and can you apply that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, these are things that you can, yeah, just write them down. There's always, you should always have a journal. I think something you've spoke to um, indirectly is intentionality um, behind your trips. Like um, not just going into it, like quote recreationally, which is fun. Like I've taken a gram before, you know, uh, Greta Van Fleet concert and it was fucking amazing. You know, it really intensifies everything else. But like, um, if you're wanting answers or you're really wanting to get the full mushroom experience, it's like maybe like two plus G's three and a half. Or if you really want to go the whole, you know, Holy grail, what is it? The, um, Terrence McKenna, like, you know, dark night of the soul, five grams. That's fine too, but really bring intentionality into it. And, uh, your intentionality is really felt just through your content. So your content is a, is a, is a medicine itself. So, so thank you for that. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, man. So do you have any projects that you're working on other than your podcast or in conjunction with your podcast that you're really excited about or that you're looking forward to? Um, I know we're, we're getting towards the end of the year and kind of the energy of like November, December is kind of like, you know, if you look at a tree, leaves are falling, energy is going inward, growth is kind of like stagnated. It's time to like really reserve and like look forward to the spring to when we all come out with new things or like same old, you know, but with new growth kind of thing. What, what does that look like for you right now? going into like 2024. Thanks for asking. I feel that 100% trying to spend a little bit more time offline. You know, I have a background in media. I work with media. And then I like to entertain myself with media. So I realize like I shouldn't be staring at a screen for eight hours a day necessarily. So I'm trying to be intentional about that, like more quality time in my community and really trying to kind of build off of social media as you know, you've done a great job building a private community and the discord and so on and so forth. Cause as I've learned the hard way, like it's really arbitrary when you can just have your following or your platform taken away. And while it is a valuable tool, I recognize it's also sort of a wake up call to be like, Oh, I should probably be building on my website. You know, again, shout out Nate Sigurd built me a really lovely website, mycopreneur.com. So I've been intentional about trying to curate that community because yes, the traffic is less. And like, quite frankly, like part of how I make my living is when I had a lot of views and I still am getting very good views even after being deplatformed. Brands send me products to use in the, the skits and I have arrangements with some of them. Not all the stuff I promote is paid, of course. Like I promote products I believe in, but like it's a really nice sort of way to be sustainable as a platform is to work. And I try to align with brands that I have sort of a long-term growth strategy with rather than just like, Oh, you know, I won't just take any contract. But that being said, um, <laughs> I get less traffic on my .com than I do if I'm on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. So I'm really focused on like serving the core audience, like people who really fuck with what I do, who like who like what I do. And, you know, Instagram and TikTok is easy because there's a sea of eyeballs on there. So the traffic's already there to get people that go to your website. It's obviously a fraction of the same amount of traffic. So 
I'm focusing over the long run of like building more on my platform and journalism. Like I've been trying to really change and, and sink my teeth into a new nightly and morning routine where I put my phone away like seven o'clock, you know, as opposed to like being in bed scrolling, just like 7 p.m., 8 p.m., phone's done. Read myself to sleep. And I've been reading uh, books of friends, which are, you know, I like this kind of closed loop system where I have people on the podcast that are authors, but this is a great one called Should All Drugs Be Legalized? Just finished it. My friend Matha Busby wrote it and he writes for Vice and Guardian. He's got a Rolling Stone article coming out very soon. Um, so that's cool. Like I like to read books of people I actually know and then take notes because it's being an intentional reader. Like, oh, I should ask him about this or whatever. And then in the morning, crank out an article. So that's kind of my, my bit. It's like before I look at the computer or the phone, I kind of get an article going. So I had two this morning, one about Amanitas and another one about psilocybin legality around the world because it's like weirdly legal in some places while being illegal in other places. And I just think it's one of those interesting things that we should talk about more. Like why are psilocybin mushrooms totally legal in the Bahamas? You can cultivate them, you can sell them, you can eat them, but there's no industry around it, you know? But neighboring island of Jamaica, it's the same and there's a huge industry. Same thing in Nepal, you know, same thing in American Samoa. It just becomes very interesting. So that that's what I'm working on right now, essentially, is like trying to do journalism every day and keeping the podcast pumping. That sounds great. Well, I will be following closely on both of those. I think you're an amazing writer, uh, speaker. You speak with clarity and you bring some, uh, of course, comic relief to that, which makes it digestible to almost anybody, which I think is like the key to letting your voice be seen and heard by everyone is if you can make them laugh because then it makes you, you know, kind of admit that the other side might be right. So like open mindedness, you know. Um, whether you whether you see it or not, I probably, I'm sure you probably know, but that's at least my observation of you. Well, uh, my friend, I have a, a, a couple lasting questions here that I always ask everybody I'm interviewing. Um, you can answer them as long form, short form as you would like. Um, but um, ultimately, first and foremost, how can everybody find you? How can they get a hold of you and how can they work with you? Love it. Yeah, I love cross-pollinating and connecting with people. So Mycopreneur, M-Y-C-O-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. If you just Google that, anything attached to it, I have my fingers on. So like, uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn as Dennis Walker. If you go that route, I'm on Twitter as Mycopreneur, TikTok as Mycopreneur, Instagram, where I've probably been the most active over the last two years. It's now Mycopreneur Official until I can get the other account recovered, which is Mycopreneur Podcast. But hit me up in one of those places, mycopreneur at gmail.com. And let's get it popping for 2024, because this is a great time to be interested in mushrooms. It's a great time to be building. And again, just like you touched on earlier, Van, not just psychedelic mushrooms. Like There's so much room for us all to learn more and, and, and have more connections with functional mushrooms and like you know, grow shiitakes and grow different types of mushrooms and, uh, you know, launch new brands. So that's kind of what I want to help people with also, as far as if people want help is like actually branding and launching it, if you will, because yeah, it's a, it's a whole other thing. I say there's like, you know, there's mushroom cultivation and being a good mycologist or a mushroom person. And then there's the business side of it. And like those sometimes are, you know, people have one or the other a lot of the time. So Kind of the whole premise of Mycopreneur is to try to bring on experts and infuse my personal experience to like, how can you have a functional, viable mushroom brand? How can you have a mushroom brand that actually 
is viable and sustainable and can hopefully help you make the jump from side hustle to full time. Cause I know a lot of people want to do that. A lot of people are like dabbling on the side and they got their job and like, what would it take or what would the possibility look like if like you could make mushrooms your life and that was your job full time. And it's certainly not easy. You're probably not going to get rich off of it, but it's also a really, really awesome thing. It's sort of a calling. And I like to try to help people have their P's and Q's in order, even if that's just making introductions, even if I can't help you, there's probably someone in the network who can. Amazing. And um, the most infamous question, again, long form, short form, doesn't matter. How do you, whether that's through practices, you know, routines, things of that nature, how are you personally growing in mind, body, spirit, and mushroom? I love it. And I need to be so attentive to this. Reading more. I think that reading is so important. Like, I realize my brain is so accustomed to just soaking up content and scrolling through and just like, you know, Twitter, 40 characters or online, boom, that article's too long. Read, slow down. It really helps people and it helps myself by reading a book to really slow down and really engage with your brain. And I think that's one of the main ways is reading. And another one is going to be connecting with my family more. That's the thing I think that all of us can use. It's really easy to have family drama, and, you know, I'm getting to go visit my folks in a few days here. I'm getting ready to go. And like, that's huge on my heart and my mind to just like, you know, appreciate your aging relatives and your familial connections. Like whatever it is, if something has happened between you and them or vice versa, like take ownership of it and try to make the best of that relationship because family's everything. So that's my last bit. I like that. And lastly, I want to throw in one more something I want to incorporate into our, my interviews more is what has mushrooms taught you? And do you have a message that you want to give to the world through the mushrooms? Absolutely. Create answers, not expectations. That's the short, simple one I'll leave you with that. The more expectations you have, you're probably going to be let down. If you just take action and do stuff and make answers right now and do it, no more expectations. You have your results right there. Love it. Dennis Walker of the Micropreneur Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. If you guys enjoyed this video, make sure to give it a five-star rating. Go follow his podcast. Go amp him up on social media and hopefully look for his return on his main page on Instagram. And uh, yeah, Dennis, dude, thank you so much. Have a great day. And uh, I guess I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Well, thank you everybody for listening in and please do hit me up and thanks so much for the invite, Van. And I'm looking forward to having you on Micopreneur Podcast in the near future. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dennis. Talk to you later. Peace.